0: Again, the URL is unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Hi everyone, welcome to Unchained, your no-hype resource for all things crypto. I'm your host, Laura Shin, a journalist with over two decades of experience. I started covering crypto six years ago, and as a senior editor at Forbes, was the first mainstream media reporter to cover cryptocurrency full-time. This is the September 7th, 2021 episode of Unchained. My book, The Cryptopians, Idealism, Greed, Lies, and the Making of the First Big Cryptocurrency Craze is available for pre-order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Bookshop.org, or any of your other favorite bookstores. Go to bit.ly slash cryptopians. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash C-R-Y P-T-O-P-I-A-N-S, and you can pre-order there today ledger is the secure gateway to buy exchange and grow your crypto no need to use different platforms to manage and secure your crypto you have one place for all your crypto needs visit ledger.com and make your crypto journey easier and safer the crypto.com app lets you buy earn and spend crypto all in one place earn up to 8.5 percent interest on your bitcoin and 14 percent interest on your stable coins paid weekly Download the Crypto.com app and get $25 with the code LAURA. The link is in the description. Looking for crypto market data that meets institutional standards? Digital Asset Research delivers curated and vetted crypto market data. Get crypto pricing and verified volume data, crypto asset reference data, and token and blockchain event tracking. Learn more at digitalassetresearch.com. Today's guest is Roniel Rumberg, co-founder and CEO of Audius. Welcome, Roniel.
1: Hey, Laura. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Audius has made some headlines recently, having recently scored a deal to enable artists to directly upload their music to TikTok's sound kit. But before we get into all the details on that, let's start at the beginning. What is Audius?
1: Audius is a digital streaming service that connects fans directly with artists and exclusive new music. Um, And we really see that direct piece of the equation being the the key differentiator here. But when you use Audius, it looks and feels like any other music player, right? Um, You can uh, uh, sign up, make an account, follow your favorite artists and start listening to their tracks uh, without knowing anything about crypto, anything else. Um, But of course, uh, under the hood, uh, uh, the way that Audius operates couldn't be more different from the traditional kind of uh, SoundCloud or, or Spotify or something like that, right? Uh, there's a network of third-party node operators, uh, artists, and fans that together collectively and, and collaboratively run this network for the benefit of the community and for their own benefit, I guess, too, in the case of the node operators. but
0: And what problem is audio solving that other music platforms have not?
1: Yeah, so in, uh, you know, I guess really where where the initial inspiration for Audius came from was uh, my co-founder Forrest and I are just big dance music fans, right? That was like, (laughs) we're not uh, uh, native to the music industry or from the music industry, but uh, we were native to crypto a little bit. So we, he and I started mining Litecoin and Dogecoin and some of the other S-Crypt coins in 2013 or so onward. And we just started to see i guess in really around 2014 2015 a lot of our favorite artists choosing to leave SoundCloud or getting kicked off of SoundCloud in some cases and all this great music that you know we had favorited and and followed over the years started disappearing so when we started to ask ourselves like why that was happening was really when we started to understand you know this this broader set of issues that um, at its core i would summarize as artists don't know who their fans are, where their fans are, or have any ability to like engage or interact directly with them. Um, like on Spotify, for example, um, you as an artist can message your fans once per year. Uh, there's a specific like email template that you have to follow. Um, Spotify exercises some editorial uh, control over it. And that's it. That's like your ability to reach your fans. So, uh, uh, you know, you can't like link them out to a third party merch store, for example, you can't do, uh, you know, just very much at all with, with that fan base. So we, we, uh, you know, and, and there were all these downstream effects of, of artists just not controlling or having any ownership of, of their distribution, which included, you know, them getting deplatformed, them, uh, uh, you know, choosing to, uh, to depart platforms like SoundCloud and Mass. Um, so yeah, that's that's really the core problem we're solving is to give artists control and access to those relationships that they have with their fans.
0: And so how do you do that on audience?
1: Yeah, so it's it's really by decentralizing that whole stack and and tool chain. So you know, even the question of like what is Audius is is not a uh, simple one to answer. Just because it doesn't cleanly fit into the bucket of like, oh, it's a you know a a so called DSP in in music parlance or a a digital service provider. Um, it's also not a distributor per se. It's not. It, it kind of has aspects of of uh, a number of these things. But what it really looks like is a set of tools that allow um, an artist to build an audience and engage directly with them with no intermediaries, right. Our, our company or any company included, right. Like for the first time, there's zero parties intermediating that, um, that interaction. And it's led to like a lot of really neat emergent behavior um, within the network that like we haven't really seen before in other music streaming services networks. Um, But yeah, it really does come down to us being decentralized. That's, that's, that's why even to launch like the first version of Audius in uh, late 2019, which was it, it was not economically incentivized. It was a testnet, but it was decentralized from from day one. And that was what and, and you know fully open source. So that was what I think, you know, among the artist community allowed uh, uh, this Audius network to start to build trust with them. Right. That, uh, you know, the rules aren't going to change on them. This API that their whole workflow is dependent on is not going to get pulled out from under them. Um, all of all of these sort of qualities that that just had never been possible in music before.
0: And do you have examples of what they are doing on the platform that they can't do on something like a Spotify?
1: Yeah. So uh, one of the coolest, you know, emergent behaviors that, uh, uh, you know, our our community ended up deciding to double down on with some more product features is... Uh, this remix competition feature. So, uh, uh, it was actually an artist named Lido was the first one to, uh, uh, kind of like create this behavior, but, um, uh, he uploaded a, a track and then uploaded all the constituent little pieces of audio that went into creating that track, um, as, as separate tracks that he flagged as downloadable. So anyone could go download that raw audio. And then he went and, uh, posted on Instagram and told his fan base, hey, uh, if you all remix this track using those uh, stems that I uploaded and tag your track with just the, you know, like hashtag, uh, uh, I forget exactly what he, he did. I think it was like uh, uh, the name of, of the track or something. Um, he could then go search that hashtag, find everything that remixed it. And then he did a Twitch stream, like going through and listening to them live and giving <laughs> feedback and then, uh, uh, engaging, so it was really, really fun, and uh, and we were like, this is this is so cool. Like, there has to be a way to kind of better enable that. Um, uh, so we we kind of built out like a little bit of UI for this, uh, and then RAC I think was the next one that that ran a, a remix competition um, with this. But now there's actually there were, by that time there's actually a way to formally tag a track as being a remix of another track. And he actually ended up signing, I think five of the tracks that remixed his track to like an official release under his label. So these were like just, you know, fans of his that like loved, uh, uh, you know, Andre's music or RAC's music and, uh, uh, wanted to like, you know, just get noticed by like their favorite artist. Right. And, you know, some of them actually are now on, on an official release of his, which is like so cool. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, when you break down all of those kind of. I guess like the barriers that exist between artist and fan, it finally, you know, it starts to become possible to just do these like weird, neat things, right? That like had never, another example that comes to mind is uh, uh, we, we, we've we seen a few artists upload like works in progress of a given track. So they'll like upload, a, you know, draft, get feedback on it from the community, iterate on it, upload a new one, see how people like it do that a few times. And then the final release, like two or three months later, maybe makes it to a Spotify or, or two other other services. But the super fans that are like, I want to hear everything this person makes and like, I want to engage with it and uh, uh, hang out. Um, there's no better place to be right now.
0: Wow. I, I love this. It sounds so cool. I mean, it just sounds really fun. It's like um, a little dj mixing party on the internet or something um so something that's interesting to me about your platform is at this moment in time i feel like people typically think of anything that brings together culture and crypto as involving nfts and that's actually not the main way you're using blockchain technology um at least i i believe so based on my research so um talk a little bit more about the crypto aspects of audius
1: totally uh, no you're you're spot on there um the the only integration of NFTs today in Audius is uh, as an artist, you can run like a little uh, storefront page on your profile if you'd like to. So uh, uh, some artists like uh, uh, Blau or RAC have these uh, collectibles tabs that they've turned on on their profile and they just put, um, you know, all the NFTs they've minted and that they've owned there. So it's kind of like this directory that links out to, you know, whatever market might exist in that, like on uh, OpenSea or SuperRare or where, wherever it may be. Um, but yeah, no, we we aren't, you know, a, a native NFT platform by any means. Um, what Audius uses, uh, uh, you know, I, I blockchains plural for, and I, I can get into like more more of the technical detail around that is, Effectively, a coordination layer for this network. So there are these off-chain nodes um, uh, that host content, host metadata, and kind of do the work that is required to keep the network functional and and alive. Right? Like, um, you know, the the way that the network is is set up, uh, our company could go away tomorrow, and and you know, the vast majority of what's here would uh, uh, would continue to work just fine. Right? It's because it's being operated by the community, but there's what, what the kind of, you know, Ethereum at the center on the node operator side, and then Solana on the uh, content engagement side provide are this sort of like unified source of truth for a number of questions, right? Like who are the nodes on the network? Um, are they in a healthier valid state? Um, and then on the content side, like what is all the content in this network who has engaged with it, who has the ability to update or modify it? Um, So by doing that, we can kind of like anchor trust with these small pieces of data on-chain that refer out to data being stored off-chain on on these community-operated nodes.
0: Okay. And so for the metadata, it's just like kind of, you know, who, who wrote this track or who performed it? And does that include kind of like royalties, the way that, you know, a Spotify will pay you for streams? So it's every time it gets played then like different people who participate in mm. that song will get paid or how does that work
1: yeah it uh uh so it includes everything from you know the title of the track and the cover art for the track and you know the name of the artist and and things like that um to uh uh things like revenue splits as, as well so uh, the network doesn't natively split revenue today, uh, although it does allow you to like define um, uh, those splits within the metadata, because um, that's that's something that you know I, I think our our community had always uh, uh, planned or wanted to build towards over time, right? Yeah, like even um, even in the absence of that, like there is a quite a bit of like. Content that, you know, both independent labels have uploaded and uh, a few of the larger players have have uploaded and basically they handle the splits on on their end right now. So, um, you know, there there's one address that's getting paid out royalties and then, you know, that company can decide, hey, oh, I need to split this however I do or, or what have you. So. So, yeah, on the metadata side, it's really more just like, uh, uh, you know all the things that go around the audio file itself to make it have meaning or, you know, make it interesting.
0: And then you also have the audio token. So what functions does that perform in the audio system?
1: Yeah, that has three core functions. Um, It secures the network. uh, So the people who run the nodes that actually... Um, do all the work that makes the network functional. Um, they stake the token to, to be able to run that node, and then they earn fees back from the network proportional to uh, uh, to the size of the stake and the number of nodes that they run. So um, one of the kind of strange things about uh, uh, Audius, the Audius network's needs compared to like a lot of, say, layer one blockchains that have their own nodes is that the need for storage grows you know, forever, right? Like the more people upload, the more people engage, the more you need. So the way that the node uh, infrastructure is set up, it's not like there's a fixed kind of processing capacity. It's like the more nodes there are, the more can be stored, the more can be served, uh, uh, et cetera. So like the crypto economic structure has to kind of like, you know, incentivize a much larger amount of storage to be on the network than the network actually needs at, at any given Time, um, so uh, anyway, yeah. So secures the network. Uh, the token also uh, is used in governance. So um, you know, from the time the token launched uh, in October of 2020, um, our team was uh, uh, no longer capable of making any changes to the code that powers Audius. Both uh, all the you know on-chain smart contracts for like engaging with content and all, all that good stuff. As well as in the off-chain node software, so the nodes actually like monitor one another to see that they're running like the most up-to-date version, and they can get slashed if they're running too far behind and, and things like that. But um, to actually accept within the network a uh, new version of the code as being like canonically correct, um, there has to be a governance vote that that happens. So. So it's actually, uh, it's not one token, one vote, but one token staked within the network, uh, is, is the, you know, able to vote. So if you just hold tokens passively, you're not able to uh, participate. But if you're, uh, delegating to a node or you're running a node yourself, you, you get to, uh, vote on, you know, how this goes. And then the third pillar there is feature access. So, um, as an artist, you actually, if you hold and stake some number of tokens, you get access to additional distribution features that uh, may consume more resources at the network level. So uh, the NFT feature is actually uh, uh, one of those. So if you hold more than a uh, uh, hundred audio tokens on your Audius account, you're able to set up that uh, collectibles tab and collect, uh, or sorry, connect external wallets and and stuff. Um, the reason for that limitation actually is that um, it, it costs the the network resources to go index all those wallets and and keep you know basically keep track of all the uh changes to any holding of nfts or or things like that they have so so yeah those are those are the three primary functions um i think the you know the one misconception that i i always like to to clear up around this though is uh, uh, the audio tokens not used for payments within the network, right? So users aren't purchasing this to consume uh, uh, content or things like that. Um, we actually, you know, we talked to many, many, many artists about this uh, as we were kind of, you know, working through the testnet. And, uh, you know, artists want food and shelter, right? They don't <laughs> necessarily want, like when they they are charging for access to their music, conflating, like, control of the means of distribution with, like, their basal needs to, like, function as a human being in, in the world, uh, uh, I think, you know, is, is a very dangerous uh, sort of game, right? We, we it tried to, uh, you know, based on on all of that feedback, I think our, our uh, you know, the intent with a lot of that design was to separate these things, right, to... Um, to say your, your ability to control your distribution should not come in direct conflict with like your ability to, you know, feed yourself and support yourself. Right. Um, you know, and, and mixing them creates some, some kind of, you know, weird dynamics, right. Where the artists that, you know, are, are say, uh, uh, selling what they earn to, you know, support themselves, uh, uh, that, uh, you know, means they're losing control of the, distribution that they're making valuable, right? Which is not their, you know, we felt not the right sort of incentive structure to
0: create. So then are they earning stable coins?
1: Uh, monetization in Audius is is uh, uh, not fully live right now. So there are folks that are earning uh, in, in stable coins in like very ad hoc ways. So like on Audius, every user has a wallet, they're able to, uh, you know, receive anything uh, to that wallet they might please. So, so there's kind of this like ad hoc economy that's that's emerged around that. Um, just because there there are so many people now on on the network that have uh, these wallets. But uh, no, the more formal features on monetization are are still, I think, being iterated on and, and worked on by the community. I, I think the the first goal was was always to build a meaningful enough audience uh, within the network that like it actually started to make sense for someone to think about monetizing it and for the first time i think in the last 3 or 4 months uh, there there's some accounts on on audius with tens of thousands of followers like 20 30 40,000 um, that for the first time became enough that someone could think about hey if you know 2 or 3 or 5% of my audience might convert to a paid uh, engagement, like a paid subscription to me or, or something like that. Um, that's now like a real amount of money for them, right? Like three, 500, 600 people, uh, uh, engaging on something like that could really move the needle for, uh, 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 for, you know, you'd be surprised how many artists actually, just because of how little they, they earn for the most part on, uh, you know, traditional streaming services.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I have some friends who are musicians and, um, It's not pretty. (laughs) Um, One thing I wanted to ask about was for the staking. um, I realized that because of the price of the audio token, that at the moment it would cost half a million dollars to become one of those node operators that can stake. And that's, I mean, actually, I think compared to, um, just trying to remember what the dollar amount was when staking launched on the beacon chain on ETH2, I think it was like 16,000 or something. Um, but I was wondering, like, like, is there a reason why it's so much more? Like, are you, you know, going after some kind of like, you know, professional, um, operation or like what's, what's the thinking behind that level? Or is it just like you didn't anticipate the price would go up this much or?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, uh, the level was, um, intentional, although, um, I, I think, you know, uh, uh, if if we could go back and redo history, something that varied a little bit more with the current market uh, uh, dynamic rather than being a, a fixed number uh, would likely make more sense. But um, the barrier to entry here was intentionally very high. and And the reason for that is it actually... To to run a uh, node on the Audius network and and have it be able to meet the minimum specification and requirement for for a node um, is pretty expensive. It's like not a not a straightforward thing to to do, and requires a level of expertise today that's not uh, you know broadly accessible yet. so that's actually why there's a separation between uh, you can delegate tokens and you can delegate as as little as a hundred tokens um, at a time. So there's a much much longer tail of people delegating tokens to people who run nodes professionally. But um, the goal was for the uh, folks operating nodes to be like you know really professional hosting businesses. Um, the other side of this that that is uh, worth touching upon is that. Because those node operators are you know professional, real, legitimate hosting businesses, um, there's there's some responsibility that comes as a node operator with respect to the content that gets stored on on your node. So if someone uploads something that they uh, you know don't own the rights to, for example, right? Um, as a node operator, uh, uh, you know you you are responsible for like when uh, uh, kind of rights holders, file DMCA notices and things like that to respond to them. And I think that's wor- something worth calling out is that decentralization uh uh does not need to mean like, you know, mass sort of uh infringement of rights, right? And that's why um that's why the incentives around the network were structured this way, right? Like the the node operator archetype that is on audius right someone who has level of resources that you just mentioned to to be able to come on here you know has no interest in hosting like things that uh uh draw like uh, uh the wrong kind of attention right so um that's actually why you know audius has not really had uh uh run ins or issues like on um on on that front, right? Like, you know, our our goal with designing this network was to help artists get paid more, right? Uh, not to 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 defraud them or to to you know take away their livelihood through like you know people putting stuff uh up that that you know they uh uh that I isn't paying the right person. Yeah. So um so yeah I think that it was really those two aspects, right? It's like the complexity of running a node and to be able to provide a high quality of user experience and service to end users that are fetching content from those nodes um and then just the nature of like music atta- attracts uh uh you know some some uh, not so great behavior that um you know we we uh uh wanted we wanted the people who are running nodes to be like known named like businesses or individuals that actually like have a presence and exist in in the real world right um which, uh, again, decentralization, uh, uh, you know, is, is, can both decentralization and kind of decentralized control can go hand in hand with, um, you know, respecting, uh, uh, the rights of content.
0: I love it. Um, th- I think that's, uh, just really cool and smart. Um, so a couple of things. So first of all, just for listeners who don't know what DMCA takedown is, it's, if I remember correctly, it's something like digital millennium copyright act. Um, okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, which so I, cause I've sent these out before where like someone stole my writing and I was like, you need to take that down. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, I think that's great that, you know, you are seeking these professional operators who uh, would, you know, abide by the law, if they were to receive a request by that, a request like that. Um, And, you know, it's interesting that you just raised this issue because I was going to ask you, um, like I noticed two years ago, the verge wrote an article calling your service a copyright nightmare and said it was at that time full of pirated material. Um, And the truth is actually when I first started learning about it, I was like, Oh, it's like Napster with a token. Um, And so uh, like, is it, is it just because, um, basically all the node operators are kind of more centralized that they're handling it or you kind of said like, it's, it's not even really been an issue. So are you noticing that like already, like you're not even, or, or these node operators aren't even getting people uploading pirated stuff?
1: Great questions all around. So, uh, there definitely are things, uh, uh, getting uploaded to, to audience that shouldn't be in the same way that they do to YouTube or to SoundCloud or to, you know, really, really anywhere, right? If you give users the ability to upload things, like there will be some, some small number of, of people that sort of, uh, uh, misbehave. Um, the reason it's not become an issue, though, more broadly is that, you know, whenever rights holders have approached uh, uh, operators in, in the network and in the community, um, you know, at, at least the feedback we've heard is that 100% of the time, uh, those things have been addressed in, in a timely fashion. So, you know, I, I think one thing that is really, uh, uh, really un- unfortunate, right, is, is sometimes, uh, folks who, who write and produce content on the internet don't necessarily fully, uh, uh, understand like the mechanics of, of what they're writing about. Um, and, uh, I think that that specific press piece, um, you know, was, uh, you know, there, there were just a lot of things that unfortunately, I, I think that reporter got a little bit wrong about, uh, uh, the actual situation with respect to, to the network. Right. Um, if that narrative were true, you know, there would have, uh, uh, been a lot more anger and, you know, lawsuits and who knows what else, right. That would have started flying around from, uh, uh, the broader music community. But I think we've been fairly warmly embraced, right. Uh, uh, by, by the broader music, uh, uh community. And I think it's because we took this approach that I just described to you, right. Like they are like by being decentralized uh, uh, but still aligning incentives around positive behavior, um, you can, I think, get, get the best of, of uh, uh, both worlds here, right? Like, you, you know, you don't have to use uh, you don't have to trust our company when using Audius. Um, but uh, uh, there is still, you know, there are laws and, and rules that exist for good reason. And uh, uh, you know, Allowing people to hide behind uh, uh, the shields of anonymity in, in some cases, like you might be able to if the requirements were much lower or much smaller, you know, would, I, I think we felt would lead to a, a, a misalignment around those incentives, right? We, we want all the folks who run nodes on um, the Audius network, which, you know, today they're, uh, uh, I think, um, you know, like 60 or, or 70 uh, nodes last I counted, like those should all be known, you know, Quantities in in the world, right? Um.
0: Hmm. Okay, and so um, a couple of other things I want to ask about this. So one thing is, and I think I might already know the answer to this, but I did notice that the audio token is set to inflate at a rate of seven percent a year. And I was wondering, um, as I'm sure you're well aware, a lot of people in the crypto community like coins that have you know caps uh, or not caps, but but like maybe low inflation. But I was curious to hear about why you know you're you're inflating at a somewhat high rate.
1: Yeah, so we felt uh uh that it made more sense to um distribute the token supply over a very long period of time to uh uh you know the the community members that were creating the most value in the ecosystem. That uh, effectively meant that rather than distributing like a very very large amount of tokens up front when the network launched um by delay, you know, basically having that happen over a period of, you know, I mean, really for perpetuity, um, uh, uh, that would lead to a better kind of uh, uh, distribution of, of um, power and, and control in the community. So, you know, I, I think, it, it, I mean, a, a lot of like the, the design around Audius was sort of inspired by, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the ideals that, you know, Karl Marx and and some of those early uh, uh, philosophers around like capitalist economic structure laid out that like you know it should be possible for uh, folks who dist- you know make uh, uh, use of capital to earn some of that capital back over time from the work that they do right um, and for that to be possible uh, there needs to be some amount of um, inflation perpetually right um, but the way that the staking side of Audius is set up. Um, if you stake and actively participate with your tokens, um, you know, your percentage of control of the broader network doesn't uh, uh, get diluted over time. Right? Um, as it stands right now, you actually, by staking, you can grow your percentage of, of ownership over time just by function of, of the participation in staking. Um, and it, it bas- what it basically means is is the network uh, uh, heavily disincentivizes uh, passive holding um, and incentivizes active participation, right? Because if you just hold those tokens and do nothing with them, um, you get diluted down at an aggressive rate over time, right? So um, yeah, it, it, one of the interesting things is that like uh, uh, about designing these sort of crypto economic systems is that like, you know, we we could um, sit in a room and, and try and do the best we can, but ultimately once it's out in the world, it is in the hands of the community, right? Like we, the decisions that our team made uh, uh, prior to launching the the network um, are now, you know, only changeable by the community. So all of what I just said aside, there is a growing contingent within the Audius ecosystem that wants to change uh, uh, that inflation rate, I think, for the reason that you just laid out. So, so it will be interesting to see how that plays out. I mean, I, I think this is the community's property and the world's property. So... Um, you know, uh, at least I personally would be supportive of, of whatever they uh, whatever they decide here. But um, that that was at least the initial intent. Here was that uh, over time the network should be controlled by the people who are actively using it, not by um, kind of like passive holders of of that capital.
0: Hmm. All right. So in a moment, we're going to talk a little bit more about the decentralized and centralized aspects of running crypto networks. But first, a quick word from the sponsors who make the show possible. Does your firm need rigorously vetted crypto market data that's aligned with the latest regulatory standards? Since 2017, Digital Asset Research has delivered high-quality crypto data to institutional clients like FTSE Russell and Bloomberg. Digital Asset Research offers clean crypto asset prices and verifiable volume data that's calculated from highly vetted sources, crypto asset reference data, and an events calendar that tracks token and blockchain events like hard forks, soft forks, and client and application updates. Crypto data from Digital Asset Research is available through Refinitiv or directly at digitalassetresearch.com. With over 10 million users, Crypto.com is the easiest place to buy and sell over 90 cryptocurrencies. Download the Crypto.com app now and get $25 with the code LAURA. If you're a HODLer, Crypto.com Earn pays industry-leading interest rates on over 30 coins including bitcoin at up to 8.5 percent interest and up to 14 percent interest on your stable coins when it's time to spend your crypto nothing beats the crypto.com visa card which pays you up to eight percent back instantly and gives you 100 rebate for your netflix spotify and amazon prime subscriptions there is no annual or monthly fees to worry about Download the Crypto.com app and get $25 when using the code LAURA, L-A-U-R-A. The link is in the description. Ledger is the secure gateway to buy, exchange, and grow your crypto. What you need is a Ledger hardware wallet, which combined with the Ledger Live app gives you access to all your favorite crypto services and dApps from one place. All that with some of the best security. No need to use different platforms to manage and secure your crypto. You have one place for all your crypto needs. Visit ledger.com and make your crypto journey easier and safer. Back to my conversation with Roniel. So we were just talking about how you started as a centralized service and now uh, governance is in the hand of your token holders. And so I was so curious earlier today when I had trouble logging into the app, um, I was wondering because apps are typically run by centralized service services and I Um, Sent you a message saying, "Oh, hey, you know, I'm having a having trouble logging in," and you said, "Oh, I'm going to ask the team." So I was wondering, is that a centralized company that you were referring to there, and is it a centralized company that's running this app on the decentralized protocol, or um, is it because, like, you know, Ethereum has this foundation and the foundation. Um, funds these different teams, you know, working on different clients or whatever. Or, or, I mean, it can be outside companies too. But um, so it's kind of curious, like what is centralized in audience and what is decentralized?
1: Yeah, so uh, uh, there is a um, Audius Foundation that controls the uh, kind of like the project's treasury and, and allocates those funds uh, out to companies like uh, uh, my company. Um, so there are a few other companies that now uh, uh, exist in the Audius ecosystem as well that, you know, get similar kind of grants from, uh, from the foundation. Um, but specifically to your question, uh, uh, you know, and, and for uh, for everyone's context, this was around uh, uh, Twitter OAuth. So there's uh, a mechanism that Audius used to to kind of, you know, prevent name squatters from registering en masse, like verified uh, usernames on other platforms. Um, uh, the network will prevent you from registering a handle that is verified on uh, uh, Twitter or Instagram. So uh, uh, when Laura tried to sign up with uh, her verified Twitter handle, the uh, front end was like, you, you can't do that or, or whatever, right? Um, so that is uh, one aspect of the network's behavior that is centralized today. Um, and there are a couple others that I can mention, but um, it's not possible to authenticate with Twitter in a decentralized way. Um, however, uh, uh, your wallet when using Audius is still custodied with with you, so your account is actually controlled by you. The only aspect of that flow that uh, our company is is able to affect is adding that check mark next to your name. Um, and and the only way that that happens is uh, uh, if um, if a user uh, either during signup or afterwards is able to uh, 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 authenticate with a verified account on another platform. So um, so that's that's one thing that like we we haven't really. Um, and it is a trade off of usability versus decentralization. So, like, there are strategies that people use around this. Like, Keybase will have people tweet like a, a message. You know, like I'm setting up my Keybase. But um, I mean, l- let's let's be let's be real here, right? Like, if uh, uh, you know, like uh, Dead Mouse or Steve Aoki signs up for Audius, and like both of them use Audius, like, are they really going to tweet like? you know, I am setting up my Audius account, like proving that I'm verified, like probably not, right. So a trade off had to be made there. But um, uh, and then there are a couple of other places where where uh, uh, kind of like, day to day engagement with with the network touches uh, uh, some centralized services. Um, so for example, if you send audio tokens from your wallet, um, even though your wallet has custody and and control of those tokens and the signature around the transactions happening on, on your browser. We have a relay that will pay the gas for that transaction on your behalf. Um, so you could still transact, uh, if you put Ethereum into your wallet to send it, but you know, the vast majority of our users don't know or understand things about crypto. So I think where, where we've tried to make these trade-offs is, is with the goal of usability in mind, um, But with a hard, bright line around uh, uh, the network's functionality cannot be dependent on uh, uh, us as a central party. So, you know, Laura, like you still could sign up uh, uh, for an account, you just wouldn't be verified, for example, like if our company was not doing uh, uh, that little verification service, for example. Um, Similarly, you could still send uh, uh, and engage with um, you know the the tokens within the product, but uh you know the usability around it would be degraded, of course so um so that's kind of how we how we went about it um, those are uh, those are really the two primary things that are uh, centralized right now um, so the remainder you, of the network, yeah,
0: so when you said that you were going to ask your team, that was the centralized company that you yes. were asking, and then yeah. so would there be when you say there are other companies that are working on Audius the protocol. Then would there be cases where, like, we might end up with more than one Audius app or more than one Audius website? And uh, okay, so that's
1: a great question. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm nodding for everyone listening. Uh, uh, Yes. So actually, you know, uh, uh, this isn't, uh, uh, I think, as as broadly known, or, or people are always shocked when I tell them this. Like, the majority of listening on Audius doesn't come from the Audius product. Um, I think there are over fifty apps now that exist in in the ecosystem, some of which are dedicated music players, but many of them are just random other things. Like someone made this music racing game, which is super fun. I would recommend everyone try it. Uh, what
0: is music racing?
1: Uh, uh, so it's you're you're in a race car following a track, and there are obstacles in the track that are synchronized with the beat of the music. <laughs> <laughs> um so you sort of like steer around them or you can get these like bonuses by by hitting them um
0: And is it Uh, only for select songs or is it like some kind of algorithm so you can do it to any song?
1: Yeah, it's algorithmic. So you can do it to any song. There are over half a million uh, tracks on, on Audius, right? So this developer was like, I've always wanted to make this game, but I never had enough like tracks to, to do it with. Sounds Uh, fun. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, anyone can build uh, uh, their own Audius app. Uh, There are even some kind of um, institutional players in the music ecosystem that want to build like Customized streaming experiences, for example, right? Um, or, or some artists are wanting to build like kind of a, uh, a, a like a fan club structure around their uh, uh, you know streaming kind of front on Audius. So, so yeah, it's a really really neat uh, ecosystem that's kind of sprung up around this. Um, but uh, yeah, the the cool thing here is because that. Like any, um, uh, programmatic interaction that happens with the network from the core, uh, uh, you know, app that our team puts out can be replicated by or, or even co opted by any third party product too, right? Like there's no special permissioning or something. Um, and when you use the Audius app on your phone, your phone is actually going and talking directly to nodes on the network. Um, there's no interaction happening with, uh, with our company for like normal use of the product, right outside of uh, the the couple of exceptions
0: that I mentioned.
1: So, um, so yeah, uh, like, so yeah,
0: it's like my Ether wallet or my crypto. Yes. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Right where there, those apps are able to talk directly to uh, Ethereum and and do what they need. Yeah.
0: Well, so <laughs> it's funny actually that we're ending on this note because my next question is is really relatable to this. You know, my Ether wallet session, my crypto thing. So when signing up, the service also sends an email to the user saying, "Audius cannot <laughs> reset your password." And then, and so, by the way, the, like I'm sure this is ultra confusing for non-crypto people. I understood what you were saying, but I, I should just point out right underneath that is a big button saying "Reset my password" or "Reset your password" or whatever. So um I was curious, like, so I didn't click it because I, I was like. This, this is like some, you know, <laughs> like emergency button and I'm not in an emergency, so I'm not going to click this right now. But I was curious, w- like if I were to click it, what, what would happen? Um, and, and like, w yeah, I, I'm assuming it's not something that goes through your company. Well, I don't, I have no idea what, what, what goes on.
1: Yeah. Uh, at that point. So, uh, uh, what you were interacting with is this kind of novel, uh, account management solution that our team developed called uh, hedgehog, which is sort of a reference or homage to, uh, there's this parable of the Fox and and the hedgehog. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, the Fox is, is quick and agile and can do many, many different things. Whereas the hedgehog is only really good at like becoming a ball and then it's spiky and predators can't get it. Right. So, what we were trying to say with the parable there is like metamask is this amazing swiss army knife um but for an end user it's like very difficult to to set up and and use um whereas this hedgehog solution is like dead simple from a user's uh perspective but it makes a significant number of trade-offs that may or may not make it make sense in other applications but we felt uh, around Audius it, it made sense so long story short what it does um is when you sign up for Audius, uh, you put in a username and password in the app, uh, uh, either on your phone or on desktop, and then your browser is actually using that input to encrypt a locally generated uh, uh, entropy that is secures your wallet, basically, right? So there's locally generated private key encrypted locally with that data, um, and then that encrypted blob is actually what gets emailed to you. Uh, uh, so so uh, oh. uh, that email that you get is actually a self-contained like ability to recover your account. It's not even password reset per se, because you could just re-encrypt the same wallet with a different thing. But um, we actually were able to set up uh, uh, a, a mail relay service with no logs enabled and no uh, uh, retention of the messages that it sends. So basically, that mail relay is your browser at the time you sign up sends your key to this mail relay which sends it to your email and then that's effectively the backup of of your your private key is in that email so it's it's literally like embedded in the link that when you click that button could let you recover uh your account like if you forget your password uh, uh basically so um so yeah you calling it password reset was a misnomer we actually have tried three or four different uh, sets of verbiage on that button, uh, but all of them confused users more than this one, which is why we kept it there. Um, even though it's not it's not resetting your password, right? It's like you can just set a new password on the same on the same information. Um, yeah, people just got so confused by it. It's well, like, uh, I, yeah.
0: I would suggest that the email sees something like Audius the company cannot, you know reset your password you can reset it yourself um, using this button or something because like to say audience can't reset it. And then right underneath is a button saying reset it. Like I I think just like from user experience, uh, like I'm not an expert in these things, but I, yeah. Anyway, not like I'm, you you know, you're you're (laughs)
1: absolutely right. And uh, I think it just shows how, uh, uh, how challenging usability in crypto still is, right? Like this is not, the fact that like the basic questions of how do you access your account don't have like well accepted solutions that the whole world follows is like, it, it's also so cool, right? Cause it means that we're all like still, you know, you're still super early, uh, uh, to this. If you're listening to this, right? And, <laughs> and thinking about questions like this, right? Um, but, uh, uh, you know, we need to do better as a community, right? Like this is not. You know, so Audius today has uh, over 6 million people listening every month and over a hundred thousand artists have uploaded um, we do feel strongly that like it would never have been possible to get to this level of usage without making some trade-offs around uh, you know like I think we can all agree that storing uh, a private key in your email is not like uh, a super secure way uh, uh, to do that but we also go to great lengths to instruct users not to, Store any meaningful amount of funds in in their Audius wallet, and then there's also a mechanism to connect third-party wallets. So you can uh, connect a MetaMask wallet as well. You can connect, uh, uh, you know, like uh, a number of other, you know, anything that's like wallet connectable, right? So, um, so yeah, there's again, there's there's trade-offs. I think with with all of these things, but. You know, I I I do. You know, I I I think I I am very proud of the work that like our community has done to try to make this accessible to uh uh, to a broader audience because the majority of of users of Audius today have no idea there's any crypto there, uh, which is pretty cool, right? Um, you know, they just want to come listen to cool music and hang out with their friends.
0: Yeah, and I have a bunch of questions for you about building a crypto product for non-crypto people. Um, but just because this is a crypto show, I do want to ask one question because this is something I think my audience cares about for whatever reason, just, you know, how tribal crypto can be. Um, so obviously Solana and Ethereum, I think, you know, for a lot of people are seen as somewhat competitive and you've kind of embraced both. And I was curious like why that is and just as a builder, what you thought Ethereum was good for, what Solana was good for, et cetera
1: totally um, and I I uh, at a super high level like I, I think this tribalism is is really damaging unfortunately right like these are tools right? Like there's no like the hammer tribe doesn't get mad at like the mallet <laughs> tribe because they they you know one is slightly better at some things and one is slightly better at other things. Just, oh, but, just
0: tools. but m- money is involved. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know, and I wish I wish uh, it could be that pure and straightforward as I just put <laughs> it, but. That genuinely is how I, you know, as a builder in the ecosystem, think about it. I mean, these are, these are tools like, uh, uh, they, they are built for a purpose and, you know, you can use them for various purposes. And, you know, uh, uh, with that, uh, uh aside, you know, I'll, I'll give the feedback that's, you know, probably going to get me flamed by both sides, uh, afterwards. Right. Um, I think the network effect around Ethereum is, is just so powerful, um, And that's, that's, you know, that's even the first, uh, that's the first community in, in crypto that like, I really became part of and and got excited about. Like, uh, uh, prior to Audius, I, uh, uh, was a full-time investor at Kleiner Perkins and, and what really got me excited about crypto more broadly was this ability to program like anything with it. Right. Um, you know, I, I like Bitcoin. I thought it was cool, but, um, Ethereum, in my mind, just especially as a, as a software engineer thinking about it, just like opened up this whole world of like really cool stuff you can make. Right. And the network effect around that persists. Right. Everything from, uh, you know, the ecosystem around uh, uh, tokens and wallets and uh, uh, everything. Right. Like the moment that the Audius network launched, um it was supported by like hundreds or even thousands of third-party applications without any of them like asking us or us asking them to do anything, right? Like it just happened. Solana, you know, by contrast, I, I think rather than trying to be everything to everyone, uh, took the approach of being really, really, really damn fast and like good at uh, a, a specific um, set of use cases, which you know, it so happens to uh, overlap really, really well with what Audius needs, as well as it overlaps with, um, you know, some things like the Serum Dex and, and other things, right? Um, from a usability perspective, uh, uh, you know, Solana lets us confirm things to users far, far faster. It Let's us, um, you know, just do much more, right? The average Audius user never actually touches Ethereum, right? Like, if six million people were touching Ethereum every month, uh, uh, you know, from Audius, right? I think we would uh, we would be creating a lot of problems for the ecosystem. It would also probably be costing like, you know, tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars in in gas, right? So, you know, I, I think what I love about Solana is that. Um, by, by being focused, by saying, you know, we're, we're not going to be, uh, uh, you know, try and be everything to everyone, but we're going to be really, really, really great for the people who need a significant Mm -hmm. amount of scale or have usability constraints that, um, you know, Ethereum can't serve. Um, it's a fantastic solution for that. Right. Um, uh, so, you know, I, I think they, they both have a place in this world as do many other uh, uh, tools, right? And keep in mind, these are tools, right? Uh, uh, and different tools can be good at different things, right? Like uh, I, I think uh, uh, that's, yeah, that's where I'd finish off on.
0: All right. So yeah, now let's talk about the user growth because, you know, I do think, you know, as you said, it's not obvious at all when you go to this website or the app that it's a crypto project. And uh, I would be curious to hear, you know, from your perspective, how did you get the community to grow to the point where you now have more than 6 million monthly users?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the credit all lies with uh, with that very community, right? Um, our little project team that built the first version of, of Audius and now has like a, a much more diminished role in the ecosystem, just given the the size and the scope of uh, all the the various work that's going on that the foundation supports and and other things for for our little team of twenty people to be uh, uh, supporting six million users just would never have been possible without the community's kind of embrace and uh, support and active work being done to to do that right. Um, I've been explaining this a lot to, uh, traditional tech people lately, because, you know, as I mentioned, that's like the, the world that I kind of came from before, before working on Audius and, uh, uh, people are just shocked when they hear that, you know, our, our, our team is so tiny and, uh, we're not that tiny compared to other crypto projects, right? Like everyone here listening knows that, but when the community is effectively the marketing team, the hosting team and infrastructure team, um, they are like an extended developer team. Um, you know, they're like more community people building uh, uh, with Audius than there are like, you know, people at, at my company. Um, you know, you can do so much more by like opening up, um, opening up those, those uh, uh, floodgates. Right. And
0: but were there like any pivotal moments where you felt like, oh, that is what really, you know, got like yeah. this? Yeah. Yeah. Like were were there kind of like bursts of new users that that came to the platform?
1: Yeah. So I can I can just talk uh quickly through like our, our history. So, you know, we just uh uh the the product launched publicly in September of twenty nineteen. Um and that was in like an incentivized test net uh capacity, right? Um from twenty nineteen to like mid-2020 or so, we grew in these little fits and starts, but we're mostly going sideways, right? Uh, the thing that was growing was the base of content uploaded to the network. Because, um, you know, content doesn't go away, right? People, as new users come, they upload more content, content can grow linearly, even if usage is, is like flat over time, right? And uh, in retrospect, uh, uh you know, I, I I don't think we realized this at the time, but there was an inflection point that the network hit around uh, like eighty to a hundred thousand tracks, um, uh, where there was enough music here that when a random user showed up uh, uh, from the dance community, which was really where our early um, uh, bread and butter in terms of usage was, they would find stuff that they liked, right? And then they would engage and they would stay and do more. Um, and and there was a, you know around. August or, or so of, of uh, 2020 was really when we saw those metrics all kind of shift in, in lockstep. And my only guess as to why that happened was because there was like enough content here. Um, from then, so that was in August of, of 2020, uh, there were around, I think a hundred to 120,000 monthly users on, on Audius. Uh, today there are over six million. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, it, it hasn't, hasn't been that long since then, right? I think it's just when like a viral feedback loop around a a kind of network-driven product starts to work, it like it has this runaway effect, right? Um, Because it's self-reinforcing. Like if more content increases user engagement and retention, the increased user engagement and retention means more artists see that and say, oh, there's an audience here and I want to serve them. Which leads to more content, which then leads. So it's like this this virtuous cycle that um, uh, kind of is is self perpetuating, but it's like really hard to get started. I, I the analogy I like to give people is like think think about like pushing a rock up a hill, and at some point you crest the hill, and the rock starts rolling away, and then you're just chasing it and doing the best you can to keep up with it, right? Because it, it goes faster and faster as it goes down. So like uh, uh, I think the community has been able to scale, um, uh, the level of support and, and, uh, uh, work that they do for one another, um, in a way that like our company never could have. Right. Um, and I think that's what allowed us to grow so quickly. Um, if we, if we had been like a, a centralized, uh, uh, company that controlled all this infrastructure, controlled all of this, like, you know, even the cost of hosting all of this, uh, let alone the cost of like, you know, just basic customer support, like people ask questions all the time and stuff, you know, we would need to be like hundreds of, of people to service, uh, uh, the amount of demand that exists here. So, so I do think the community, uh, uh, uh owned aspect of the network allowed growth to, to multiply and to reinforce itself, but, Ultimately, it's just the it's just nature of uh, a network, I think, that, that led to this, right? It was just crossing over some critical mass or, or like a tipping point or whatever, you know, uh, however you want to describe it. At some point, it just, you know, things clicked and, and started working.
0: And uh, so for the big name artists on the platform, like Skrillex or Deadmau5, Diplo, like, how did that happen? Did they just hear about it through word of mouth or did you approach them directly or you know like how do you get these artists with this level of name recognition to join
1: yeah so uh uh in you know I'll, I'll talk about those 3 and then uh talk about like artists uh more broadly so uh dead mouse was actually one of our earliest supporters um at, at Audius we started talking to his team in like late 2018 that was like a few months after oh so you uh, reached after. out yes yeah so we we got in touch with uh uh him and, and his team um and uh he had specifically been looking for something around this i mean actually one of the early theses like when we were thinking about audius was you know really looking at like what title did or tried to do early on which was to to say like we're going to make all of the, uh, artists that use title, like owners of, of title. They literally went and like issued, um, uh, stock warrants to, to, uh, those early artists, um, that were on, that were on title. Um, the early kind of target list that we went after, because we took a lot of inspiration from that. Right. I think, uh, they, they fumbled a lot of things along the way. Um, I'm hopeful that under new ownership, they can, uh, find, find their footing and find their way to, you know, some cool stuff, but, but Dead Mouse uh, uh, Joel was one of the uh, earliest supporters of of title. Um, so when he, I think when when like our little you know uh, email intro like crossed over their plate, they kind of had, you know pattern recognized like oh we've seen this before. Like this is interesting. We want to learn more. So yeah, he was an interesting case. Skrillex and Diplo are more kind of the typical case, which is uh, you know a mix of like us messaging them for months and years, uh, or whatever. And then eventually they hear about it from enough of their own community of fans, as well as other artists that they follow. Right. So, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of neat content has broken out on, on Audius or like been shared on Audius exclusively or for the first time. So, a lot of folks were just forced to start uh, uh, engaging and, and hanging out on the platform, not necessarily uploading their own stuff, but just to like stay on top of what what trends are emerging. Um, and this has always been like niche by niche and those niches aggregate and slowly roll up to larger and larger audiences. Like one of the earliest niches that uh, got really excited about Audius was this Jersey Club community, uh, which is like a specific uh, they have a specific sound uh, of of music that they produce. Um, there are a few really influential and notable folks in that community, like Rel and and a couple of others that you know kind of anchor it. And um, you know, a few of those really early folks just happened to come across like some press we got around the product uh, launch, like in 2019, and we're like, "Oh, this is cool. We're going to try it." And that was enough to get the whole community on. And uh, uh, those people retained and engaged really, really well. So. So for a Diplo or a, a Skrillex, I think the sentiment that needs to exist for them to want to engage with a new product is that enough of their peers and enough of their fans are already there, right? Um, so, so, uh, so yeah, we slowly rolled up to that. Um, uh, and uh, today, most, uh, most of our work on artist advocacy is just fielding inbound uh, uh, which, you know, it's just the tables like turn very dramatically. Right. Um, (laughs) we stopped being able to do outreach. Uh, but you know, in the early days, like I would just sit in DM and cold email people and be like, please try this. Uh, uh, you know, like, and you know, yeah. Uh, uh, today things are, things are, you know, we, we just couldn't, couldn't keep, uh, keep doing that. Um, uh, given the scale that we were at. So like even starting to rely on the community more to, educate one another um, and and uh, advocate this, you know, more more broadly, more publicly. So our artist advocacy work today is really focused on helping audience appeal to uh, new and, and different types of music creators and, and music listeners. So, um, you know, as I, I mentioned, like our, our early user base has, has been mostly dance musicians. Um, there are a lot more folks in in hip hop coming on uh uh, now um and latin music's the other area we've seen uh, a ton of growth more Mm. recently a lot of that has been driven by kind of i think those communities being functionally similar in a lot of ways to the way dance communities are right like it's it's um uh it's less top-down structured organized content and much more this like grassroots like things emerge from from this, like, diaspora of, like, crazy things happening or, or whatever. Um, and Audius is much more well-suited, I think, to that, like, kind of uh, uh, grassroots, bottoms-up sort of approach than, uh, you know, like, the very top-down, like, you know, like, institutionalized content kind of approach, right? Um, uh, yeah.
0: So it's kind of amazing we went this far without getting into the TikTok deal. So we have to do that now because we're already over time. So Audius was selected as TikTok's partner to enable song transfers on the platform. What does that mean? And why is this such a big deal?
1: Yeah, so uh, uh, just just setting some some context to to kick us off, like um, it's actually not very easy to upload audio into TikTok. Um, You'd be surprised like the the way the ways that people do it, like, cause ha- how do you get like an audio file, like an MP3 file or something onto your phone? Right. Um, You, you know, people will email it to themselves and then like put it into the files app on iOS. Um, and then depending on uh, your permissions, TikTok may or may not be able to access it. Um, It's actually like not, not very simple to a point that like there are artists in our community that will hold their phone up to their laptop and like play the track and record it into TikTok because it's easier to do that than to go through this uh, this rigmarole. So uh, what the Audius integration enables is, is a solution to this problem. So you can uh, uh, in Audius on any track that you yourself uploaded, um, there's a, a one-click share to TikTok button And if you click that, uh, uh, the content gets pushed into uh, uh, your TikTok account. So if you're basically if you're using the Audius mobile app, and then assuming that you have TikTok installed, it just opens TikTok and pushes the content over. So the reason that's I think you know exciting for the Audius network and and community, right, is that. It it now for the first time lets artists uh, kind of draw on the audience that they have on TikTok. Uh, there are some folks uh, in audience like Wookie, for example, and uh, 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 Dylan Francis is another one. Um, I mean, there are people with millions of, of followers on TikTok, right? That um, they haven't been able to monetize very well to date. They now have a chance to to kind of start to. Uh, uh, draw some of that audience over to uh, Audius because the sound, when it's in TikTok, actually shows as "oh, it came from uh, uh, Audius" and and whatnot. So we actually even, as a result of that, you know, there, there's been a significant kind of uptick in, in uh, usage metrics just from people seeing those sounds starting to to float around on TikTok. On the TikTok side of things, I think uh, uh, the reason you know they were excited about this was uh, uh, it just you know it made it easier for artists to, to upload stuff. Um, and it's also worth saying, like, we're not the only, um, application that has that functionality. So like Ableton and, uh, some other, uh, uh sort of like audio production tools have, have this natively as well. Um, but we are the first streaming service to, to have it. So I, I think for the, the kind of, um, average creator, uh, this has been a much lower kind of friction way to get content into TikTok than to like go into their, you know, Ableton and, and set up a new export and, and do all this sort of stuff. So, yeah.
0: And so, uh, you know, obviously audience doesn't have the artist space or even, you know, the, anywhere near the number of songs that like a Spotify or Apple music has. And I did read you, have close contacts, I guess, at, at TikTok. Um, but I'm sure also you must've had something in your pitch that they found compelling, like, or, or maybe it doesn't matter to them the number of songs that are available. Like, like, do you have a sense of, you know, what it was that w- appealed to them about choosing a platform that really is, you know, still so much smaller than these other ones that could have been selected?
1: Yeah, so I think a couple of things there. Um, I, I don't think this is like a mutually exclusive sort of uh, uh, thing, right? Like TikTok is is within their rights to uh, enable other platforms to do it too. Uh, however, um, I don't think Spotify, for example, has the rights to redistribute content that's in Spotify. Right, um, so uh, uh, a lot of folks um, uh, uh, don't don't realize this. For everyone listening, you actually can't upload things to Spotify yourself. If you're a musician, you have to sign up for a third party distributor service, and you give them your content, and they push it into Spotify. Um, so it would actually be the distributor's kind of role to to push it into TikTok as well, not uh, uh, Spotify's. So. Um, you know, all that said, who knows, maybe they will strike, uh, some new licensing structure that allows them to, to do that. Um, but, uh, in, in the case of Audius, right? Um, you know, the, the user who, uh, uploads and manages the account has, you know, the, the you know, full control of that content. So if they are the ones, that's, that's why only the person who uploaded it is able to actually push it into TikTok. Um, you know, that's the equivalent of them like doing a drag and drop upload just directly to TikTok it just so happens that TikTok doesn't really have a a, a good you know a good user experience or workflow around that so okay. um, so yeah i think it was just a matter of um there aren't really you know, i, I kind of referenced this earlier like audius is some parts distributor some parts streaming service um there's no other like hybrid kind of approach that that covers both sides
0: yeah it's like because it's just a flatter structure that is Yeah, that's fascinating, actually. I mean, there's so many things about how crypto networks will change business models that I find really fascinating, but this is like a prime example. Um, okay, so we're well over time, but I just want to ask, what's next for Audius? What do you have up and coming over the next several months?
1: Yeah, so uh, uh, there's so much coming up uh, and so much that I don't even know is coming up because <laughs> there are like just people in the community working on, on cool stuff. But the things that I'm personally most excited about at least are, uh, monetization tools being much more fleshed out over, over the coming months. Um, there, there's, uh, uh, a lot of interesting stuff in, um, uh, in the pipeline that, uh, uh, will help, uh, artists like better understand and segment their audience. So like, a lot of artists today just don't really have good answers to basic questions like who are my fans, how do they find my content, stuff like this. So, uh, all of that raw data exists in Audius right now, but uh, uh, you know you need tools to be able to explore it and like understand it, like think like BI tools for artists. So, really excited about that um, as well. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're going to continue to see more and more uh artists in new and different uh genres or areas of music onboarding and getting excited. So uh so yeah I mean I, I think uh uh you know the best the best time is yesterday but uh uh the next best time is today to get started on a new platform and and building a new following. So um and, and yeah you you don't have to be a musician uh, uh to use Audius. There's actually a very robust of curator ecosystem as well. So if you want to help make playlists, if you want to, um, you know, help curate content by reposting and engaging with it, um, there, there's a whole kind of ecosystem of folks on, on that side as well. So I think we're just going to see more, more of all of that, I guess. Uh, but in, yeah, the concrete features I mentioned are, are uh, things that I'm super
0: excited about. Great. Well, this has been so fun. Where can people learn more about you and Audius?
1: Yeah, so uh, you can learn more about Audius at uh, Audius.org um, or at Audius.co. So uh, Audius.org is kind of you know the information put put out by the foundation. Um, audius.co is is the company that I work on, and there's a uh, a user experience there that lets you play with the product and engage. Um, and then uh, yeah, go f- follow uh, follow the project on on Twitter. Uh, at it's it's just at uh, Audius a u d i u s project p-r-o-j-e-c-t that's where all the best news and updates about the network can be found
0: perfect well thank you so much for coming on unchained
1: thanks for having me
0: thanks so much for joining us today to learn more about Ronila and audius check out the show notes for this episode unchained is produced by me laura shin with help from anthony Yoon, daniel ness and mark murdoch thanks for listening